I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. again to the Explaining History podcast and today I want to talk about American trade unions and American labour in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War and how the Second World War had really changed the experience of organised labour in the United States. The Second World War had of course uh, dramatically expanded the size of uh, America's labour pool and workforce. There were large numbers of people, not just women but men as well, who um, entered uh, the uh, manufacturing and primary industries for the first time. And there had obviously been a huge, what we, you know, Marxists would recall, reserve army of labour uh, of the unemployed uh, beforehand and the, during the, the Great Depression. Not only had war work for many people restored uh, self-esteem, providing them with um, well-paid labour for the first time in several years, but it also was war work with a political, ideological and moral subtext. It had been war work that had defeated uh, Nazism, uh, Italian fascism and, of course, Japanese imperialism. One of the uh, interesting economic effects of the war, and one which could actually be quite destabilising in the long run, in terms of uh, labour relations, uh, prices, inflation and employment, was the, uh, the development in America between 1941 and 1945 of almost uniform uh, full employment. The, uh, a society that doesn't have any kind of, uh, any pool of unemployed or any significant pool of unemployed can face all sorts of um, economic uh, phenomena. For example, these are societies which are prone to uh, inflation and less price controls and rationing are strictly observed. Obviously, price controls and rationing in America during the war are strictly observed, but for different reasons. And it just so happens to have a counter-inflationary effect. But the other phenomena is that when there is almost full employment, unions are normally at their most powerful. The reserve pool of the unemployed, who can always be used by employers to uh, bring down uh, aggregate labour costs, 
who can be used as a kind of potential competitor with um, employed workers to uh, moderate pay claims. That pool of unemployed doesn't exist, and this plays into the union's hands very successfully, i.e. if there's great demand for um, workers, then there are actually workers, then uh, unsatisfied um, employees can simply go to another job as quickly as possible. Instead of workers being played off against one another, all of a sudden it's employers. So um, this condition made uh, employ uh, the unions much more powerful than they had been. Unionism had uh, dramatically developed during the New Deal. Uh, the CIO, for example, um, the of industrial organisations, was founded midway in the New Deal in 1936. And uh, as with its counterparts in uh, Great Britain, um, the CIO was uh, an unskilled and semi-skilled workers' union, or it uh, recruited large numbers of unskilled and semi-skilled workers, um, and as a result was inclined to militancy. If you look at the uh, development of uh, the mass unions, uh, the new union movement uh, in Britain before the First World War, you get a tendency towards more militant movements because these were the ones which had generally lower skilled and poorer workers and large numbers of them who were tired of waiting patiently for the rights that their kind of artisan skilled brethren uh, were already getting. And the union membership had gone up um, between 1930, where it was 3.4 million members, um, to 8.7 million in 1940. And this uh, was a, an increase between 11.6% of, um, industrial, uh, sort of uh, industrial employment to 26.9%. During the war, this growth increases yet further. By 1945, in the union movement overall, there are 14.8 million uh, unionised members, and which is 35.5% of um, manufacturing um, employment, um, and 21.9% of employment overall. So one in every five employees in the USA was a member of a trade union at the end of the Second World War. As would the experience of Britain uh, and the British trade union movement be in the post-war era, especially from the uh, 50s and 60s onwards during the era of mass immigration from the Caribbean and Southeast Asia and uh, Indi the Indian subcontinent, um, the trade union movement in America uh, would be no guarantor of uh, liberal attitudes uh, towards race and also towards gender. Uh, the union movement in America in the post-war era was highly class conscious. There was a strong working class identity, but it was for, most, for the most part in the unions a white working class identity. The New Deal had done much for um, the white working class in terms of its sense of its uh, rights, entitlements and identity. But there was very little um, cross interracial solidarity uh, that was shown. Um, membership of the CIO for uh, black workers and for uh, and admitting women workers 
was particularly, particularly poor. But in a way, this is a reflection of uh, racial conflict as has always existed within uh, American life, that um, different uh, economic groups, different ethnic groups, have been encouraged uh, since the, the birth of the Republic, really, and particularly after the emancipation of the slaves, to see themselves as antagonistic to one another. Uh, and this has helped American capital immensely uh, to drive down labour costs. That said, in 1945, a powerful American trade union movement was able to pull American politics towards the social democratic left and to ensure that the achievements of the New Deal were not, uh, were not overturned and it would take really until the 1970s and even arguably the 1980s to make the, ser the first serious inroads into the New Deal under the presidencies of Nixon and later Reagan both of whom were not embarrassed about uh, openly declaring their own private war on the trade union movement. A case in point, of course, being the um, trade, the air traffic controllers dispute and um, Reagan's um, deliberate provocations of uh, unionised air traffic control uh, during the 1980s. The unions were really the most significant um, left-wing show in town by 1945, uh, the Communist Party of the USA and uh, the um, left end of the Democrat Party um, were far less significant in terms of securing rights for the working class. Other organisations, um, civil rights organisations, which um, were generally uh, on the liberal and left end of, of the political spectrum, had only influence in very narrow policy areas. But as we'll see, um, the period after 1945, the kind of decade after 1945, and arguably uh, long into the, the post-war era, was going to be a, a bleak time for the left in general. Um, a organised and highly motivated war on democratic socialism was going to be waged under the Eisenhower and Truman administrations. Now, interestingly, um, in one of the previous podcasts, a very recent one, I've talked about Eisenhower and the CIA during the, the um, 1950s, particularly following the death of Stalin, and how the uh, desire to wage the Cold War had a significant impact on uh, everyday American life, really altering the foundations of the republic um, away from a uh, its its arguably its founding doctrines towards being a, a more militarized, um, less democratic, uh, more statist, um, more centralized um, state, geared up to waging um, endless struggle against the Soviet Union. In this environment, it was unlikely that even large labour unions would come off unscathed, and certainly small democratic parties or radical left-wing parties were going to have a very difficult time indeed. The union movement itself was poised to be hit with a wave of reaction 
um, after the Second World War, really pent up by business uh, elites and uh, America's wealthy from the New Deal era onwards. There's very little um, that could be done to organise labour during the Second World War. When the conflict was over, um, there could be significant inroads made into the gains that Labour and the left had made during the 1930s and 40s. However, to look at the union movement and view it as being particularly socialist um, is to misunderstand it, rather. Certainly it was uh, there to advance the interests of its members, but many of the leading trade unionists from the 30s onwards during that decade of intense ideological struggle had shorn themselves of um, any notions of democratic or revolutionary Marxism and really thought that they had a, a, just a kind of a functional job not to change society but to manage it uh, with capitalism still as the uh, predominant uh, economic system. Um, in the interests of uh, a broader demographic, demographic um, the belief that socialism would not and could not implant itself in the USA was particularly acute in 1945. And the American trade unionist Walter Reuther from the United Automobile Workers who has had a sojourn in the USSR during the 1930s. You can read a lot about him in Tim Zuliadis' brilliant book, Forsaken, which is the story of um, the forgotten American victims of Stalin's gulags. Many of them were auto workers uh, from Ford, lured to the Soviet Union on, in the middle of the Great Depression on the understanding that there would be jobs and a plenty, only to be swept up in um, the Stalinist paranoia of the later 1930s. Well, Reuther uh, returned and really, uh, by 1945, shorn himself of um, socialist ideas. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And thought that um, labor would take the lead in creating a more progressive society. 
a society where workers, black and white, were treated equally and when the, the condition of the poor were to be raised. But he didn't believe that um, Marxist ideas had any part to play in this. Instead, Reuther really imagined that the union movement could bring about a kind of self-reforming capitalism. And he looked for um, an enhanced New Deal, the sorts of things that Roosevelt was um, perhaps always hoping to do had he not been interrupted by war and later ill health. Um, a, a welfare state, a, a minimum wage or a guaranteed annual wage as it was referred to um, at the time, uh, civil rights for minorities and um, federal legislation to ensure uh, education, national, uh, national federal education services and a, uh, a, a national health service. I'm not to use, I don't really want to use the British term there, but a, um, what you would describe now as a single-payer uh, health care system. Reuther also wanted to see a corporatism introduced, um, a kind of a democratic corporatism where management, um, workers and government helped to coordinate industry and bring about uh, technical um, and scientific development. Um, and this was, you know, corporatism is obviously nothing new. It had been tried by democratic and fascist countries in the 1930s and uh, it had in Reuther's eyes, something to recommend it. There were other trade unionists who demanded better treatment for their workers, but who didn't, um, like Reuther, have the same scope of a vision, who didn't have the same broadly political outlook um, and the same uh, degree of uh, ideas about solidarity to um, bring about transformation for the entire working class. And so there were militant groups that had uh, wildcat strikes um, throughout the uh, war years um, and slightly beforehand. In 1944, um, there were 4,956 workplace stoppages involving 2.12 million workers. And this was uh, nearly 5% of all workers who were employed. Roosevelt himself was um, deeply alarmed by the amount of uh, wartime stoppages. As we've said before, uh, Roosevelt did everything he could to uh, avoid black workers from downing tools due to their own bad treatment um, uh, during the uh, war. Uh, it was going to be extremely problematic for a war against a racist fascist power like Nazi Germany uh, for black workers uh, to claim racial discrimination too, and also a million black workers walking off the job was going to have significant do significant damage to the uh, U.S. war industry. The opportunity to reduce the power of the unions was there in 1945, as we've already discussed on this uh, podcast many times. That by 1945 there was acute anxiety that America would be tipped back into economic depression. The big spender in America, the American economy was the state. The uh, American economy was plunged into potential crisis. If the uh, war industries were shut down because the war had been won, and America also started to drift back towards isolationism, then the um, there would be mass layoffs. Already by um, the by August nineteen forty five, workers overtime 
had begun to dwindle and the aircraft factories all over California particularly begin to shut down. If you read Anthony Sampson's The Arms Bazaar, what you see in 1945-46 isn't just a decline in the aircraft industry in California, but it's almost a collapse and it takes government intervention, government finding reasons to continue ordering aircraft um, in order for this industry not to be swept away in its entirety. By the end of 1945, in some industries, workers' pay had declined by uh, a third. There was all sorts of suspicion that shareholder prices were being propped up at the, ex at the expense of workers and wage repression was buying Wall Street uh, an, an endless summer. How realistic this is, uh, is unclear, but it is um, not unheard of for these kinds of practices to be commonplace. For example, in 1943, Charles Wilson, who was head of General Motors, had received an annual salary of $459,014. Um, and if you imagine this in 1945, one-fifth of working families in America received less than $1,500 in cash income per year. And the average full-time employee's wage was $2,190. It gives you a clue about the you know, workplace disparities. I can't do the math, but if anyone wants to email me with what $459,000 is in today's money, I'll be very interested to hear. These uncertainties and anxieties led to a wave of disputes and walkouts at the end of, towards the end of 1945. In Joseph Goulden's book, Best Years, um, he says, At the stock exchange, the tickers fell silent when 400 clerical employees walked out. Barbers, butchers, bakers struck. Stock pages interrupted the production of copper wire. Campbell's soup, castor oil, Christmas toys. The Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team near the cellar in the National League, took a strike vote in midsummer, but decided to continue playing. So it shows you that this wave of militancy uh, rippled through American life, and it was unsurprising that uh, this happened, as the uh, great economic uh, dynamo of American life that had dragged America out of the Great Depression and made America once again the wealthiest and most powerful country in the world had been uh, the government, had been government spending and uh, the, government, uh, the government order book that was necessary for the war. Once this falls into, um, into crisis, in there's, there's jeopardy here as to workers' continued futures, in, not just in war industries, but in every, every other industry that was booming as a result of uh, war spending, or really this massive, massive Keynesian influx of cash into the economy, all these industries uh, were um, starting to uh, face paralysis. It's hardly any wonder that there was a, a wave of worker militancy. Workers hadn't been laid off in significant numbers at this point, and had they, perhaps had they been, had the country been returned to the conditions of the Great Depression, organised labour might have been significantly weaker. But at this point it wasn't. There's, there is high, high and anxious employment. And also workers in jobs who are gradually getting poorer as time goes by. In Pittsburgh, for example, 3,500 electric company workers uh, went on strike. The city's um, trolleys stopped. 
streetlights went out, office buildings had to shut down, and 100,000 workers had to go home, and there was very little that anyone could do about it. Same sorts of thing happened in New York, in Manhattan. Strikes by elevator operators, truck drivers, um, dock workers. Um, these stopped um, transport in and out of the city. Um, in total, there were 4,750 strikes in 1945, and this was just 200 less than there had been the previous year. Harry Truman said... People are somewhat befuddled and want to take time out to get a nerve rest. Um, this is another letter to his mother. Some want a guarantee of rest at government expense, and, I'm, and some, I'm sorry to say, just want to raise hell and hamper the return to peacetime production to obtain some political advantage. This, I don't think, was either fair or realistic. There were strikes throughout 1946, 1 1.8 million workers um, in key industries such as meatpacking, the oil industry, uh, manufacturing, steel and cars, auto uh, manufacture, um, went on strike. And in 1946, this becomes the, um, the key battleground in modern US, uh, US labour relation history. There were um, 4,000 and uh, nearly 5,000 stoppages that year. Uh, 4.6 million workers went on strike. One in fourteen American workers, that is, and this was um, a the number of work days lost actually was one hundred and sixteen million, which was three times higher than in nineteen forty five. Um, in nineteen forty six, these strikes were called out not by uh, union leaders, um, or who were uh, calling out wildcat strikes, but after long negotiations with management, and the negotiations were about this key issue of wage stagnation that was occurring uh, after the war. Union leaders said that uh, wartime and post-war inflation were eroding uh, workers' um, gains. Um, the, there were demands for increases in wages of up to 30%. This was the demand of the General Motors workers uh, in Detroit. Um, eventually, they got a 10% uh, raise, um, and this was met with strike action in December 1945, and in January that year there were uh, walkouts across the auto industry. And whilst these pay claims were bitterly disputed by auto workers, auto workers actually were better paid than um, a lot of the American working class uh, at that time. Uh, f uh, farming, forestry and fishery workers uh, took in something like about $1,200 a year, which is just under, a th just over, I beg your pardon, a third of what an auto worker would make. And to give you an interesting uh, snapshot of the importance of uh, production line work, of traditional blue-collar manufacturing uh, labour, working, uh, working-class labour, school teachers earned probably about $1,000 a year less, this is, these are public school teachers, than auto workers. Um, in 1945, the position of the automobile worker was far superior than uh, it would be, say, 30, 40, even 50 years later, after the American auto industry was plunged into deep crisis at the end of the 60s and uh, during the 1970s. I'm going to continue looking at labour relations in post-war America 
uh, fairly shortly, and we've kind of slightly run out of time on this podcast, but we will look at how government intervention really um, led to a huge reduction in union power and how this all tied in with the wave of anti-communist and anti-socialist paranoia and culture that existed in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War and the early years of the Cold War. Anyway, thanks for listening and if you can give us a, a thumbs up on the Facebook page, come visit us, have a chat, talk about what you've heard, what you like. And also, if you can give us a good review on iTunes, that would be gratefully received. Thanks very much for listening, and I'll catch you again soon. All the best. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.